Oh, what's going on, everyone? This is my interview with blockchain pioneer Christian Moss. I am so excited to bring you guys this one because Christian was so darn early in what he was doing. Super humble, but man, to think this dude built a game back in like 2014 that allowed you to earn Bitcoin while playing the game. So I think it's probably the first play to earn game on blockchain. So it's super, super significant just for that. But we also get into how he created interoperability with Spells of Genesis cards using the same game. Absolutely incredible because, I mean, this is all we're talking about now, how to build interoperability with NFTs. Man, the dude was doing it in 2014. It's amazing to get into it. And I'm not even going to list all the other firsts that he did. Uh, it is super incredible. It's a long one, guys. So lock in because there was a lot to unpack. Just me trying to understand everything he was working on back then. Truly, truly visionary. Um, so enjoy my full interview and podcast with Christian Moss. So tell me a little bit about um, yourself and how you got into gaming. And, and we'll get into the crypto stuff as well. But how did you get into like this idea of gaming and stuff? Tell me a little bit about your your background and your history. Yeah, well, actually, it was um, it was when I was applying to go to university um uh the university that i went to is a bit special because you basically don't choose one major you choose like two half majors or two minors and uh, I, I was kind of didn't really know what i wanted to do um i think in in college which is so college in the uk is the equivalent of senior high school i think but we call it college mm -hmm. I, I did like a, a mixture of like psychology and engineering so i was always quite broad and then i continued that at university i did music technology and computer science I, I i wanted to do physics but my math weren't that great so computer science seemed like the computer can do the sums for you kind of thing <laughs> so um i, I kind of did that both of them and then just quite enjoyed making things uh, as it were uh but the computer science course i did it was actually there wasn't that much programming there's a little bit of programming but it was quite dry and it was it, it was it was science right so we were studying algorithms and you know von neumann machines and that kind of stuff it 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 wasn't really programming uh and i graduated um not really being able to program so i thought i've got i'm a computer scientist but i don't i can't actually <laughs> I can't work use a computer a computer <laughs> you know i i can i can i can make like four loops and while loops but we didn't actually do anything that would be useful in the trade right nobody would really sure. employ you per se um but the you, time I think I you've just described all of universities man sure. yeah. <laughs> the vast majority yeah. you come out of university is like what do i have what skill exactly I do i have other than i just party for four years <laughs> it's probably was missold right i think you know back in the day you went to university you went because you wanted to be an academic really you know it was that was understood it wasn't because you were going to get a job on the fact you know it was being an academic but recently it's more that you go to university to increase your job prospects obviously it depends on the course so um yeah i suppose that was a bit okay i don't feel skilled <laughs> i have a degree <laughs> um but at the time, I was also studying like extracurricular Japanese. So I decided just to go to Japan for like, you know, after after um, graduating before getting a, a real job, I thought I'd just take a year out and go and go to Japan and teach English and try to improve my Japanese. And whilst I was there, I just started to I YouTube like how to make an iOS game because 
iOS, like the whole like app store was like taking off then. And then, you know, you hear these yep. stories about people making like a kid has made a million dollars because he made like a fart app. So I was like, I'm going to do know, that. Right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I kind of started to learn how to program games on iOS, basically on YouTube. And then I just found making games quite fun because, you know, it's, it's very creative. It kind of combines, you know, a kind of um, engineering technical side, but you also, there's an artistic side. You, you know, you come up with the, story and uh, the art and all this kind of stuff so it's just mm -hmm. and also you know it's quite easy to do you can you can just do it you know from from your bedroom with a cheap laptop you don't have to kind of buy expensive equipment per se so that's yeah that's how i basically so, was, it, so was that like 2012 13 somewhere around then how old am i now <laughs> um yeah must have no it was no it was before 2013 when okay. uh so uh it was supposed to be in about probably 2010 probably 20 2009 2010 ish so you moved um, to japan in like tw 2009 2010 yeah 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 yeah, yeah definitely sounds about right <laughs> how long were you in japan for so there i was um i did that for about three or four years and i actually met my future wife who was i was dating there and when i met her she had um she had basically uh paid into the scheme to study english in australia but because we started to date she kind of postponed it right she didn't do it so after like a few years we just thought okay you know we're kind of long-term relationship here i'll go with you australia is a pretty easy place for an english person to go to sure so i went over to australia and my uh my my, my new computer skills got me a job at um a interesting small company that were originally like a a print job they would like print you know leaflets and things and for people uh but more and more their customers wanted websites because you know printed kind of died so right. they basically just uh, the boss hired a bunch of young people who could program to make anything that anybody wanted who came off the street right. and in australia at the time there was like a, a 60 minute special that went that was very popular about a kid who had made an app and he made a lot of money so my job was basically we'd get these random people you know it's like sometimes just like farmers from australia coming in it's like you know i've got like you know 50 grand um can you make me this app i've got an idea so i basically oh made I basically <laughs> made like angry bears angry bees flappy flappy duck like basically all these clones that started sure. to do that and it, it was it was kind of not that nice because like you'd have people coming in with like you know i've got a great idea i'm gonna put it on the app store i'm gonna make millions and then like we'd make it for them and it you didn't have that much money really you know like yeah, to, yeah. to ask a a company in sydney to make an app and sydney's not it's, it's like it's an expensive city right so they didn't get the best apps and then just to see their hopes and dreams get crushed when they got like five <laughs> five downloads like in off of all those downloads were like less than their family members so the family members even downloaded it um but one of the customers came in we had one customer who had a bit more money and he came in and he said uh, oh yeah can you make me a, a, a bitcoin app and this kind of how i kind of like you know what's bitcoin you know and uh, that's kind of how, how that started really um yeah, so I, I had no idea what Bitcoin was at the time. And um, I just remember my coworker, who was like a kind of quiet, libertarian type guy in, in the corner, kind of, he swiveled around on his chair and he was like, oh, okay. Because he was like, obviously a secret Bitcoiner for the few years. And, sure. you know, he kind of just like schooled me on it. And uh, yeah, as, as the saying goes, I went down the rabbit hole there. And uh, that's how I started first becoming like a programmer developing bitcoin this is like 2013 i think 
Uh, I, I remember because I tried to buy Bitcoin and I couldn't because the, the the website that was selling it was having a few issues and that was Mint Gox, you know. <laughs> so um, yeah, yeah, that's how that started. It's funny. I don't know who I can't remember who exactly I was talking to, and he was saying back when he first learned of I think it was Bitcoin and not Ethereum. Yeah, it was big, definitely Bitcoin. He was like. No, the easiest way to buy Bitcoin was in like some game had this thing where you could like trade items for Bitcoin. He was like, that's the easiest way to get Bitcoin in like 2011 or whatever it was, you know, it was just, it was not easy, right? It, this, these are like the things that have been built over time that well, now I think make it, it easy. It, right? it was very easy and then it wasn't easy because it was very easy if you would just like email Gavin and Dreeson and he'd just give you 50 Bitcoin. So that was very easy, right? So there was a point where it was easy and then obviously... Bitcoin had some value, so people stopped giving away for free. And then you had all these exchanges crop up, but the exchanges were quite difficult. You know, there was like one in Japan, obviously Mint Gox, but it was hard, hard, hard to get there. And uh, I actually bought a Bitcoin miner instead of a Bitcoin originally. It seems like thought, a wise investment at the time, right? Now it's, I'm sure all those like, Bitcoin are gone, but <laughs> I thought I was a genius. Wait a minute. Well, I'm not going to buy Bitcoin. I'm going to buy a Bitcoin making machine. Right. I'll, I'll just and, make my Bitcoin. Why would I do anything else? Right. And I was in a share house and we all just paid a fixed rate for electricity. So win, 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 bro. Yeah. But having like a, what the old school Bitcoin miners in a tiny room, like my wife, girlfriend at the time, just like she said, you have to get this thing out of the room. You're just like, all night, like shut up. It's, it's making me money, you know? And uh, wait, obviously it was, but at, at that time it was ASIC mine. So ASIC has already taken off, but I wasn't really, you know, um, yeah, I kind of just, just oh, it's like when you find out about something, it's often means you're too late because you found out about it. Right. Sure. Um, yeah. But I actually did make money. I actually made Bitcoin on the mining stuff accidentally by a, it's like a scam that worked out for me. Um, are you familiar with the story of Butterfly Labs? Do you remember that story? Or... No, tell me. So they, uh, well, they kind of sold the earlier Bitcoin miners for A6, like 25 gigahashes. And then they actually came out with a pre-order for their terahash ASIC miner, but you had to pre-order it. So uh, I convinced my brother to put some money together and, and I got some, and we made a pre-order for, for Bitcoin. So we actually paid in Bitcoin. And the whole, like, I shouldn't say it was a scam because obviously I think they're gone, but people are litigious, but let's just say something, you know, customers weren't satisfied. Right. Uh, they never shipped on the, 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 oh. the miners. And the rumor was that they were basically just testing them because they realized during the testing process, they're actually making Bitcoin. So there's no incentive for them to sell. Right. Why would we ever give these things they away? They had like the best miners, right? You know, um, and then That's by the funny. time, you know, and then by the time that they were meant to ship them is already kind of, they weren't competitive enough. Right. Uh, but before they went completely under, they actually refunded a certain percentage of the users. So, but they refunded, um, they, they refunded you in Bitcoin, but on the dollar value or something. So because the Bitcoin price had changed, say like, for example, I spent one Bitcoin or like it's a thousand dollars to buy this miner because Bitcoin had dropped to like $200 or something. I actually got like three, four Bitcoin back. You right. see what I mean? So it, yeah, in yeah. effect, it, it did its job. It made me more Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> Which you probably to... went and used to buy a pizza or whatever. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah, that's another thing, right? You know, uh, yeah. I lost it all in a boating accident. 
but yeah but that was like the kind of fun ride of 2000 and uh and 13 yeah when i first started to get into like bitcoin programming and stuff and was oh, playing that's around super with cool stuff. man yeah so th that's how you kind of got um yeah that's how you got into bitcoin it's, it's so interesting that the paths that people take to get to building something that is uh significant or interesting or certainly what we're going to talk about um with what you built, how it's historically interesting from an NFT perspective. Um, tell me if I'm pronouncing it right. Is it Saru Toby? Is that how you pronounce it? What's how's the exact that's pronunciation? A, that's an acceptable <laughs> pronunciation. So it's, it's, again, <laughs> tell me how like, they say it in Japan. Saru Toby. Saru Toby. Okay. <laughs> it's like it, It's not so much a toe. It's a top. Toby. Oh. But again, I'm not oh. Japanese, so probably my Japanese friend. No, he's saying it wrong again. So, <laughs> you know. But yeah, I think it's fine. Yeah. Saru Toby, which uh, basically means a monkey fly. Um, yeah, I, I, I can talk about monkey about fly or monkey jump. I, I, I saw on Google it, it put it a jump. So you're saying fly? Okay, monkey fly. Jump in Japanese is actually just jump. <laughs> oh really? Shut up! Really? Yeah, no. Obviously, they have an original word for jump, but what what you find with Japanese is they tend to use a lot of Western words and just kind of change the pronunciation. So actually, the famous Japanese word. Um, but thank you. Um, mm -hmm. Arigato. That's actually Portuguese. Abrigado or something. So they still get out of here. Really? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure that's true, though. Obviously, so some of the first, you know, the Portuguese went over to, to, to the New World with permission of the Pope to make it more Catholic or whatever. Or yeah. Portugal and Spain went the other way, right? But yeah, so they get a lot of words. So the Japanese word for thank you is actually the Portuguese one. Um, the few words they they often, yeah borrow a lot of words surprisingly actually well the whole language is somewhat borrowed from chinese i suppose you could argue, but, um, <laughs> but same with english and french right or latin but yeah uh but yeah so um toby yeah tobasu kind of means it could mean to fly yeah it could mean it's like it's like to fly or to jump i suppose it's, yeah yeah, it's, yeah. Mm -hmm. it's also the name of a famous ninja um like yeah, well, that's what ninja, when I yeah. when I punch it into Google, that's like you know yeah, the Naruto guy that pops, pops up, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Was asking. But it did just seem like a a, a good name because obviously it's a monkey and the point of the game is to make him fly when he yep. flies. Um, but yeah, so but tell me what actually... you were thinking about when you were like, oh, let me. What were you just like? Let me on my spare time. Let me just build something and try one myself. Like, what was your what was well, your thought process? Were you just thinking about the game and then the Bitcoin aspect kind of came later? Or what was the the your initial thought behind it? Uh, yeah, well, originally, so again, I mentioned my first app was a Bitcoin app that this guy off the street wants us to make. So I kind of got familiar with kind of Bitcoin protocols with that. And the first thing I actually made was not a game. It was at the time Apple had banned all Bitcoin apps. Like you couldn't get a Bitcoin wallet on the App Store. Right. Uh, so the first thing I built is I, I needed a wallet for my phone but there weren't any so i actually built a bitcoin wallet and my job was basically getting apple to review shitty apps every day so sure. I, I i reckon i could get one past them so i actually got them to approve a bitcoin wallet and, and at the time it kind of was like be like oh there's a finally a bitcoin wallet on the app store and um, it was a terrible wallet and I, i've since got rid of it uh but that was my first thing and um, that's what how'd I, you I sneak it how'd you wait how'd you sneak it by well um I did, well with app review you never really know you basically submit an app and if they approve it you don't really ask questions why they approved it so sometimes they could have approved it because of the angle that you did most of the time it's probably they didn't realize it so a lot of it is plausible deniability you have to hide stuff in a way 
that doesn't look like you hid it because you don't want it to be seen. Like, right. you know, you just like didn't want it to be shown, for example. And then if Apple don't notice it and they approve it, they can't ban you because you said, well, no, I didn't hide it. You just didn't. I, it was there kind of thing. Right. So it was a, <laughs> it, it was a little bit like that. Um, I, I, I well, wait, let me guess. It wasn't called Bitcoin wallet. It was called like uh, it was called, was it called? It was called Bitty. Was it called? Bitty, I think. Or, Bitty, yeah, okay. Yeah, I think it had a few different names called Bitty. Uh, it actually, how it worked as well, it also let you log in with your blockchain.info account. And um, I have a little funny story where um, the time Andreas Antonopoulos was like chief security officer of like blockchain.info. And uh, at the time, obviously, it was like kind of like 2013, like this, it was like such a massive guy, like all the videos on Bitcoin were by him. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wake up and I've got this email from Andreas Antonopoulos. Like, I feel like fangirled over and opened it. And, and it was basically like a cease and desist from him. Like, hey, what are you doing fishing our users? And then like, he was like really angry at me. So uh, <laughs> um, that's awesome. Yeah, but I actually spoke to him and then said like, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to get Bitcoin out there. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to like infringe on people. Uh, but then Apple basically approved Bitcoin wallet soon after that and i didn't really want to be in the bitcoin wallet game because it's not a fun game to be in because it's really hard to monetize but you have a lot of risk and headaches sure. and emails in the middle of night of people saying i lost all my bitcoin and you know give it me back so as soon as i could get out of it i kind of did you know so i kind of you know got rid of that app but i was still interested in bitcoin but i wanted to make something kind of fun you know not necessarily a wallet and uh, Apple had, uh, they brought out a new programming language called Swift. So um, originally with Apple, they had like an old language which Steve Jobs acquired from when he worked at Next. It was like a weird language called Objective-C, uh, but you know, it wasn't really super popular with developers. So they tried to bring out like a JavaScript style one called Swift. So I had to basically learn it for my job as like an iOS developer. And um, the time Flappy Bird was a popular game and there was a headline like, somebody made Flappy Bird in 24 hours in Swift, download the source code and you know right. tutorial. So I thought, okay, well, I'll download that and just try to learn Swift. And then I thought, hey, it'd be cool to put Bitcoin into this. I've got some Bitcoin programming experience. Why don't I just try and put Bitcoin into this game? So the first obvious thing I did in the game was um, uh, put Bitcoin into it where you basically would have to pay to play or pay to buy a, a power-up. And uh, Apple rejected that uh, because Apple... Um, it's actually changing kind of now due to recent lawsuits between Apple and Epic Games. But traditionally, you're not allowed to, like, if you sell something digital in the game, you have to use in-app purchase. You can't, like, right. go, go around it. So I thought, okay, well, that kind of sucked. But I really just, you know, wanted to put Bitcoin in a game because it was cool, right? So I thought, okay, Apple, they don't let you send, they don't let the player the user buy something with Bitcoin, but there's no rule against you sending them Bitcoin, which obviously, you know, it's a stupid thing to do. Why would you give the player Bitcoin? You know? <laughs> to drive user engagement. <laughs> well, at the time, yeah, well, that's actually has become a, a business model that I actually do in my current kind of job, which it, it is a great way to increase kind of, um, or to decrease the cost per install. But at the time, um, what I actually did is I just made this game that tipped people Bitcoin and I went on Reddit and said, uh, hey, I've made this game. It's on iOS. Like, and at the time, the culture was we just, you know, Bitcoin's cool. How can we get everybody into Bitcoin? Right. So I said, here's a QR code. Just send Bitcoin to the QR code and that'll go to the game. And then 
that'll just go to players. So oh, wow. So you set up a way to basically accept donations and then yep. those do donations would be distributed through the yep. game, basically. Exactly. Exactly. So like it was pretty fun. Um actually there was a Robin Hood moment as well where a uh, bitstamp i think uh at the time they got hacked and the hacker sent a portion of the hacked bitcoin to the game and then the game oh, distributed it. <laughs> <laughs> it, it distributed it in like small amounts like pennies to lots of players you know uh yeah, yeah but that's basically how that kind of took off and that eventually kind of evolved into obviously the donations didn't go on forever so i, I did some like sponsorship deals with some of the wallets back in the day some of the companies and, and then it kind of morphed to like a um, it was funded partly by Google ads. So the ad revenue, I would give a percentage of that back to the players. Yep. And uh, yeah, that's kind of how that started. And uh, um, yeah, and then soon after that, it kind of, you know, I kind of quit my day job as it were and went back to Japan and started kind of becoming this like indie Bitcoin game developer, you know, and experimenting with a, a few other different games, which I'm sure we may get into. Yeah. So uh, tell me though. So so that game that was Sour Toby, right? That was the yep. actual game, right? Sour Toby okay. one. So that one's actually that's like the original one, which is not on the app stores anymore. There is a new version. Yeah. T uh, tell me. So tell break this down because I mean this is going to be important for people is like yeah. the the history of it. So this was the initial version. Um, do you, you just call it version one? Uh, Sour Toby. I just called it. Yeah. I, yes. Well. Yeah. So, so basically what happened is I had this game, Saratobi, and then I also, in Japan, I made uh, another game, which some of the people might know called Takara, um, which was a Bitcoin geocaching game where people right. could- Now that, that one, did you built that one after, correct? Yes, after? I did. Okay. So I went back to Japan and uh, I, you know, it's kind of like, didn't really have a job, but I just got started. Like in, in Australia, I wasn't really involved in any Bitcoin communities. There weren't really any meetups or anything. It was like me and a few friends would go to a pub and they were like, try to get them to accept Bitcoin. And, you know, <laughs> would, um, some places, you know, like do these headlines that like a pub in Sydney accepts Bitcoin. So we'd go right. there and like, hey, we've come to pay in Bitcoin. And the staff would look at you confused and like the manager would go, oh, yeah, yeah, hold on. He'd have to try and find his iPad. So it was a bit like that. Uh, but I went back to Japan and in Japan, Bitcoin was a, a lot bigger, um, mainly because the, it's probably like, I think it's the first or at least maybe the second, but the, what, the first or second Bitcoin meetup was the Tokyo Bitcoin meetup, which was hosted by Roger Ver, who was famed kind of Bitcoin early evangelist who was somewhat split from Bitcoin and does Bitcoin cash. He still owns Bitcoin.com, but he basically ran the meetup and he was like, you know credit to him he was a great evangelist of bitcoin he basically got like all the stores and restaurants he was very um you know um uh what's the word i'm looking for proactive in, in getting mm -hmm. adoption so um yeah I was, I was at a meetup in the austrian embassy of all places now i do thinking of it, it probably was because of austrian economics i didn't put the two two together and uh, i was drunk and then do you know when you're drunk and you kind of see on the floor you think you see coins maybe like dollar coins or something I thought I've I saw a dollar. Been that drunk. Okay. But yeah, yeah. You see it. It's no, just like a bottle yeah, cap yeah, or something, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So then I thought, oh, it'd be really cool if you could just like drop Bitcoin on the floor for people to pick up. So that kind of okay. thought, okay, I'll, I'll make Genius. this game where you can like just drop Bitcoin. So, there, so you're taking this idea of, yeah. of Bitcoin was so still so early 
And there were all these kind of things happening like with tipping where I know there was stuff on like Reddit where you could tip people. And like, so there was all these kind of things that I guess the Bitcoin community was trying to do, which is like drive usage, right? Just sure. drive, get people involved and excited in some way. And so you were trying to take that like, well, let's just, what if people can just drop Bitcoin on a street corner and like locate it on a map and then use that kind of like in-game experience to basically go find kind of Bitcoin. Is that what you were trying to do? Yeah, yeah. Again, like my motivation of a lot of it was just like, it was fun to make, so I made it kind of thing, right? I, I, yeah. In hindsight, I should have really had a, had, have had a business model, <laughs> you know, but it's just, it's just like, you know. In hindsight, I, I should have had a plan. <laughs> I suppose programming to some people is a bit more like, it's like their art, right? You know, some people yeah. for programming, it's like pretty strict engineering, but some people it's just like, you know, you have an idea for a picture, you want to paint it. You have yeah. an idea for a game, you want to make it kind of thing. Um, but it was just low-hanging fruit, right? I was obviously early and, um, you know, I wasn't the best app developer and I wasn't the best Bitcoin developer, but combine the two, I could be a, like the only Bitcoin app developer. You know what <laughs> I, I mean? It, totally, yeah, yeah. It's like the Swiss army knife, right? Like the Swiss don't have the best knives, but they don't have the best army, but they make the best army knives. Kind of. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so I had this game as well. And um, yeah, so at the time that was Saratobi 1 and then... Um, Takra came out and also at the time this is probably where it becomes a bit more interesting for your show I met up uh the co-organizer of the Bitcoin meetup was a great guy like quite eccentric let's say um but called um Ken Shishido and uh he basically introduced me to a couple of guys one guy called Koji Higashi and another guy called Utah, and um, they were basically had started this company called Indie Square. Who uh, in so they so Indie Square they were making a wallet that let people make their own tokens, issue their own tokens, hold their own tokens, and send their their, their own tokens. And this is like must have been 2015, I think. Yeah, I went back to Japan like kind of mid 2015. Um, so were, was, were these tokens tied to Bitcoin, or they were just like independent? They were counterparty. Kind of it, it was counterparty. They were so counterparty time, tokens. Okay. Yeah, counterparty didn't have a mobile wallet, so like, so um, what they were doing is they were. Um, sorry, I got somebody just tried to call me. Um, yeah, so counterparty it had like a web wallet, but they wanted to make it more accessible. They wanted you know people to be able to issue and send to tokens on a mobile app. So I actually started working for them, helping them out with the mobile app. Um, and that's how I basically got familiar with the concept of, you know, basically having tokens, which I suppose like now are called more NFTs by the time right. that there were tokens, right? Uh, so we started to experiment with that. And um, uh, Koji at the time, he, he made like a token for his blog um, called like Coin and Peace, CMP token the idea being that to get access to certain articles on this blog you'd have to hold this token so who's experimenting with that and um one of our i guess wouldn't say clients but one of the companies that we were working with with our wallet was a company called spells of genesis which you're probably familiar with course, yeah. um so yeah and shaban came to japan and we basically met up and yeah i just kind of okay so wow shaban is the uh like founder of of yeah, uh, Spells of Genesis. Eversoft? Ever yeah, yeah, sorry, Ever 
Everdream Soft. So he had had right. a game before called Munger, I believe, which was kind of became it's popularish, but it 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 wasn't on the blockchain. But 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 he kind of put two and two together and thought, well, like you basically have these you know cards that are so cards in the real world are kind of scarce because the physical obviously the company can print more but let, let's just say for argument's sake they're kind of scarce but in the digital world like hearthstone they were taking off but you know it was they weren't really tangible because they were just digital cards so he thought if we could issue these cards as counterparty assets we can basically um inherit or emulate some of the physical properties i.e you know um true ownership or um right scarcity this kind of thing sure um so we were actually providing him the apis and the sdks um um and also adding another wallet to the mix to help him kind of you know help the users kind of because his game was a mobile game right um but you couldn't really hold the cards like you you'd want to have the cards also on mobile it would ruin the experience if you would play the um spells of genesis on mobile but then have to go and look at your cards on like a, a weird web wallet right so right. we basically made the wallet and uh yeah and then i just thought what he was seeing was cool so i kind of um uh, thought okay well um he's getting you know he's got more well he's got a different set of players than me on my saratobi game so how about um because his game is on mobile, the Indie Square wallet is on mobile, and Saratobi is on m mobile, and the apps could talk to to the wallet in such a way to kind of get your public key, and with your public key, the game could know what cards, what tokens you held. So right. the Saratobi game interoperability, I believe it's yes, called. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And the beauty of it was he didn't take yeah. any transactions because the game could the, the tokens could stay in the wallet. In your wallet. You're just basically reading it. You're reading uh, it, but you're yeah. reading it in a way that's cryptographically kind of signed. So you know, yep. you know, you can't just copy and paste a wallet in there. And initial uh, uh, idea was hey, I can just kind of go to his you user base and say hey you know um if you've got these cards play my game and they'll give you like a skin or a power up so that's like what i did you know and that was just yeah as you said into operability and yeah that was quite fun and then they also they issued a card for me called the saratobi card which i believe they still haven't locked. But hold on we, we gotta we gotta <laughs> slow down here a little bit okay. yeah because it's amazing what's amazing and that you've just kind of encapsulated and and kind of glossed over um is potentially like the first play to earn game uh I, and this is kind of a big deal we've we've talked about it on ethereum quite a bit with play to earn and uh different nfts are talking about you know who was the first play to earn game mm -hmm. uh on ethereum <clears throat> one point we thought it was crypto fighters <clears throat> excuse me i remember that and um, then went to crypto bots and there's debate. Oh, this the contract here didn't work, and this and that. So there's some debate. Uh, it's between the two, and it's leaning towards probably Crypto Fighters was the first, um, or sorry, Crypto Bots was the first on on Ethereum. But what you're describing with your your first with the ability to earn Bitcoin um, is potentially the first play to earn game 
on mobile do you or you know using bitcoin or you know the blockchain were the, unless you were aware of another one are you aware of other ones that were earning you know where you this is where it, it gets kind of gray right because then obviously the definition becomes you know um somebody might say well i had a website and you could play that website on mobile right or somebody said i had a right. tip bot or something um right as far as i know um there weren't any other bitcoin games on mobile before me where you could earn bitcoin but there could be i i you know the only other one that was around people might want to check out the archaeologist was bitcoin aliens i remember that being a kind of competitor bitcoin aliens uh-huh uh, but i'm not sure if that was after me or before so okay. uh that could be possible when did you um, launch do, do you have the date for the the day you launched like the the well did, when you launched did you have the bitcoin functionality built into the game or that was added later to the game sorry to get into these details no. but they matter to these to yeah. people I, I deal with every day they're like they super matter <laughs> yeah yeah again i'm hesitant to no, you people. don't need to say I was the first or anything. We will do the digging for you. Um, yeah, I think the best thing would be to Reddit, but I'm I can't because originally again I found a video of the old version of Saratobi, and it, it, there was actually a previous version of it with with no Bitcoin, but I'm not sure I released it. But it was actually like a lunar lander type game, um, <laughs> but. So, I, so when you released it the first time, then it had that big, when you released it on the app store, it had the Bitcoin uh, functionality in it. I, I believe so. Yeah. I'm yeah. just trying to find the Reddit post. I would have posted it on Reddit. Yeah. If you um, could give me that date, um, just so I have the, uh, the date handy, because it's interesting to people. I mean, yeah. this is like, it's certainly not the end all be all, but it's, because uh, I mean, the reality is in any case. Uh, you're right there with the people who are pioneering kind of a space that now has become obviously with Axie and all the ha that's happening now uh, has been it's significant. And so from my perspective, it's more just about like telling the story of people who are building, um, you know, these things that now are okay, highly valued a, and found at the time Reddit, may have not may have found just a been Reddit for fun. Post. You found uh, it? Saratobi for iOS tips a player in Bitcoin. That's why I posted. Hi, I thought my game Saratobi may be something you could be interested in. I've developed an iOS game just approved by Apple that tips a player in actual Bitcoin for playing. And this was posted, it just says seven years ago. Oh, so uh, 22nd of December 2014 at 1 a.m. 5. <laughs> so, yeah. You're up. So somebody's like, no, I got it. it. Done. <laughs> well, no, because this is it's saying 1 a.m to me because i'm in uk now but uh, yeah, yeah. australia um yeah so that's like december 22nd i posted it uh, yep. so if apple just approved it it was probably like the day before or something yep. like that but yeah i could probably go in and like look at the apple logs and like when it was approved perhaps no that's super cool so yeah cool. but again like again it's quite like so there were i know that there were games using bitcoin there were like satoshi's dice right was quite famous where um you, it was a gambling game right you'd basically send sure. bitcoin so it wasn't like the first kind of free to play game right um yeah bitcoin aliens was the only other one i could think of but there were also tip so people were giving bitcoin away by if you emailed them um so maybe somebody may have made a simple game out of that on the web somewhere it sounds quite lightly back in 2011 somebody yep. may have done that you know play my little web game and get some bitcoin <laughs> the reason i think people 
don't generally don't do it and it's still an issue to today is it's very hard to stop a hacker stealing all your bitcoin <laughs> um, <laughs> these play to earn games that's like that's why that's why a lot of people didn't do it um i know people have tried it but they just thought no there's no way we can make this secure and uh, my game you know it's gone through a few iterations where somebody's found an exploit and stolen a bunch of bitcoin right so it's uh really so so what they were able to work it out to basically like speed up the the number of tips or how speed up how quickly you get paid yeah, kind of thing it really depends like ultimately everything is hackable right you know right it's also all yeah. about in, in incentives right so um you know uh if basically what i guess the low hanging fruit is that somebody just completely cracks your game and they can basically find the request which is like on the API, give me bitcoin and they can abuse that but that's like a right. very badly designed game what we generally have at the moment is games can kind of stop people doing that but what they do is they'll have a um, limit per player so like one player won't be able to play you know and earn more than say one dollar um yep uh so but what people do is they make like a bunch of like they get a bunch of different devices um you know and then they'll kind of yeah and that's people figure shit out is what you're it's saying quite hard. <laughs> yeah it's if the it's, if the economic incentives are there they will figure it out man yeah yeah for sure so you know it a lot of that is about making your rewards or your tips low enough so that the um the it's not worth the work it would take to crack it but yeah, for yeah, example yeah. if you put like a billion dollars in the game someone's going to crack it right you know right. <laughs> if, if, if the most that you can get out is like you know a dollar a day then it might not be worth their efforts to go back to hacking banks or something i don't know yeah no i get it it's so interesting in my view like interoperability of NFTs mm. has really only just, it, it's like, it's still what you were doing, you know, back then, uh, I think is visionary, but it's still hardly used. It, it's still mm -hmm. people haven't really figured out um, cool ways to use it. Like, I'm just, I'm excited about what's, what's going to happen in the future with interoperability. Um, but you were talking a little bit about how you were like, oh, what he's doing with Spells of Genesis, I can basically, since the wallets, I can read the wallets. You know, how, how are you thinking about like, oh, well, let me, let me use this in the game itself. So walk me through how you, you were thinking about doing that. Um, yeah, well, again, um, it, yeah, my first thought was, uh, you know, he's got a bunch of players. I think those players would like my game and their, 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 their asset their token isn't tied to the game right so in most games the game item is kind of stuck in the game right and, and you can't really take it out um uh, but the beauty with uh, a token which um, some people will criticize it and saying that it's actually it's a bug but in a way I, I think it's a feature is that the token is quite it's quite it's not tied to being one thing it can be interpreted in different ways and so a lot of people will say you know well we can't have interoperability because you know game engines have different engines and if you have a sword in one game and you take it out to another game like the sword won't work because the game programming is different and obviously that's true you know it does i don't think interoperability on that is really going to happen anytime soon but just because mm -hmm. games have different things and you, you know you can't expect an item that was developed for one game to work in another game but the beauty of, of tokens is they're quite generic right it's it really it's just like 
in the instance of counterparty, it's really just a unique name, right? Um, which means that it can be interpreted in different games. Um, so yeah, um, in their game, uh, Spells of Genesis, the game was a card. So let's take a card like Satoshi card. That's like one of their rarer cards. And mm -hmm. that was actually a powerful card in the game. But in my game, it would basically, it gave you a skin. So like a kind of 8-bit monkey style of the skin. And I think it let the monkey fly a bit. So it's completely reinterpreted. So that's kind of what, what I thought. And yeah, the players seemed to like it because they you know instantly got more value. Mm -hmm. The issue we I kind of had though, and this is an issue I think we still have at, at the moment, is there's kind of um, there's a little bit of a, a bit of friction, I suppose, between the utility and the rareness of something. So at the moment, really NFTs are taken off as collectibles and people want them to be rare. They want, you know, if there's too many of them, they want the issuer to burn them. So um, with Satoshi card in the game, I thought it was cool to have that as a thing in the game, but because it's a rare card, not many players will actually enjoy it because they can't hold it. Right. Um, so initially with the Satoshi card, because Spells of Genesis, they issued it as divisible, which means that you could hold a fraction of it. You didn't, you know, you didn't have to just hold one of it. You could hold 0.01 of it. So I kind of let people get access to it if they had a small amount. And then with the other tokens I used, I kind of, um, and the tokens that I issued myself because I wanted players to be able to enjoy them as, as many places, well, not as many places as possible, but a good percentage. I actually made them not rare and not collectible. So they weren't NFTs, they were actually FTs. They were fungible tokens. And I think in a way, that's why maybe it hasn't quite taken off just yet because the market's still trying to figure out, we like interoperability, but we also like things that are rare but if it's rare then it's kind of it won't take off because not many people will have it right, it's right. Like, you were trying to you were trying to build something where you wanted to get all the spells of genesis users right you wanted them all to use your you were trying to get build your game up right so this idea of rarity and stuff makes it made it real difficult for you because you're trying to like have as many users as possible yeah right um well and this is probably why um I want to jump the gun. This is where the idea for Saratobi Island came from, um, which was the second Saratobi game. Um, this came through, through a conversation between um, Koji Higashi. So at the time, Rare Pepe had just taken off and people were collecting these cards and um, uh, people were collecting them, but people weren't really doing anything with them. They were trading them on the decks, on the counterparty decks, but they were just holding them and you know i think part of collecting is you also want to be able to show it off in a way and and wear it somewhere i suppose you know um you know people who collect art they love to get people into their house and like show them their artwork sure. um so i thought what one way to fix this issue of being allowing people to use tokens in the game in different games but also not limiting it was to allow to make a game where anybody could use any token so saratobi island how it worked was if you had any counterparty token you would basically combine two counterparty tokens and that would spawn a monster and the monster would be spawned random based on the token so for example um it, so say that a user had like a rare a 
Nakamoto card and from Rare Pepe, and they had another token like a a Satoshi card from Spells of, of, of Genesis. Though the the combination of those two tokens would spawn a unique monster, and if another user wanted to get exactly the same monster, they would need those two tokens. But if they had different tokens, they could get their own unique monster. So this went in a way you could keep the rarity, but it would also let people kind of enjoy the game with any token. Um, and this was actually stolen from an idea. There was a game um, called Monster Farm or Monster Rancher. I think it had different names in, in Japan and America. And what they did is you would basically, you would get CDs from your house and put them in the game console. Right. And then it, 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 it would read the data. So what kids were doing is they would try all the different combinations of, I guess, their the, the, the dad's CDs and put scratches on them, much to annoy, to try and get the monster. So I kind of, that's what I wanted people to do with uh, tokens. Um, so that's kind of how I tried to square that peg. Uh, but the interoperability thing, yeah, it, 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 there are kind of a, a couple of problems. One being rarity means people can't enjoy it. The other one being is that sometimes there's not much incentive for the bigger players to let people use their tokens. So I could imagine saying Nintendo issuing a, a, a token, right? And then if somebody tries to use a token in the game, they send them like a cease and desist letter from the lawyers. I think right. we see this with like top shots that are incredibly closed down because there's sure. so many Absolutely. legal issues. So I think there's an incentive issue around it. So it really has to kind of come from the kind of indie movement but there's so few games doing it so it's yeah I, it's probably one of those things where like when it takes off it'll be obvious but you know right. I, no i mean look we're we're, we're like almost that, right? a you decade know? in from yeah. you doing it back then right and like wow, i said we're still stuck in quick it feels like we're we're still stuck in quicksand oh. where people are just like still just trying to do it right and it's so i think you know we we still may be a ways away from like it really happening and i think you've just pointed out some issues with it with copywriting and all this sort of stuff where it's like who owns the asset are you allowed to do it all that sort of thing yeah i was just saying that i think there's so for example we, we all know that the video on the internet works but there are companies trying to do video i think like blockbuster tried to do netflix and you could have a good idea but if the tech is not mature enough it won't take off and i think that's probably where we are with nfts the tech still isn't settled um so like, I, I've spoken now that to, to your audience that so I've had these games, Saratobi, Saratobi Island, and Takara. And what people may have noticed is the games aren't really out anymore. You know, Saratobi has been brought back with the lightning with Bitcoin, but it hasn't had the tokens back into it yet. And the reason for that being is that we just basically hit a massive technical wall when, when we were developing these games. And um, so it kind of killed it in a way. Um, it, it, it's basically the the on fee the on chain transactions became very very high so in order for people to trade tokens on the decks you'd have to make a bitcoin on chain transaction so for people to get the tokens it'd be quite expensive you'd have to like place a, a bid on the decks but it would cost you like five bucks sometimes 10 bucks to actually place a bid which might, might not be met so you know right. it just basically kind of killed it and um at the time um everybody i guess my contemporaries who were building games on bitcoin on counterparty they all said this is crazy the fees are too high there's this new chain which has fees are like like they've got zero fees and it's faster block times called ethereum so we're going to go over there and build our games on there and i 
I, I remember at the time thinking, well, you might just be kicking the can down the road because once that becomes popular, you're going to have the same issue. Um, <laughs> but it, it's probably disingenuous to say that was the only reason. I think obviously ETH had different functionality that, you know, it was a more open smart contract language. But I think that kind of issue basically killed a lot of, you know, like, so, I, I, or, you know, I think obviously spells of Genesis went through in it, Everdream software, you know, obviously they had to kind of, they couldn't develop as quickly as they wanted because the money wasn't coming in. The company that I work for, Indie Square, they kind of, kind of went bankrupt and, you know, all this kind of stuff. So kind yeah. of like, because of like the scaling issue, a lot of the, the money dried up and it kind of went into stealth mode. And then a lot of the energy went over into ETH, but in a way they're kind of starting from square one again. So they're going to make all the games again. And now that's taken off, but now they're having scaling issues. And so now they're looking at other chains. And so I think it's not really going to take off until the technology is settled. It's and I'm probably a bit out of the, you know, know-how at the moment, because I have kind of been busy with Bitcoin and the lightning network. Uh, but one of the reasons was I just saw, okay, I'm just going to go and focus on Bitcoin and Lightning Network because they have a scaling solution which is working. And I'll work on that. And by the time I've done that, I'll come back to the NFT space and hopefully somebody would have, you know, fixed it, matured the tech. And <laughs> I actually did um, my last days in the Bitcoin and the in the counterparty and Ethereum space. I was actually doing research on scaling solutions and we were basically um proposing lightning style networks for counterparty and side chains and looking at eth and my conclusion was this is scaling nfts is an order of magnitude more difficult than scaling bitcoin because sc yeah. scaling bitcoin it's a simpler protocol and you've only got one token to deal with bitcoin it just right. makes it so much i won't say easy to scale hard to scale but it's more possible to scale with nfts you've got to make different trade-offs just because it's more complicated so yeah um so that's why i kind of think that a lot of stuff hasn't taken off yet but you know there's a lot of money in the space and people smarter than me so eventually we'll get there but it's just probably a bit more of a longer journey just yeah. going to take some time i i don't disagree with you at all um okay so that's interesting from the game development. So it started with just so I'm understanding, Sarutobi was the first yeah. game, and that's yes. monkey swinging, right? With, yeah. With Bitcoin, yeah. uh, earning Bitcoin to play, yeah. right? There was another game that came out as well, like called Game of Birds, which was another play to earn game with Bitcoin, which is the same thing. You would basically, it was a different type of game, but you would just play the game and you would just earn Bitcoin tips. And so then when when you did Ninja Suit, that was for Saratobi, right? Not for yes. Saratobi Island? No, no, no. So I think uh, a lot of the confusion has come out because on X-Chain, they actually add the project name, the official project of the token. Right. So if you look at the card, it'll say like, this is from Rare Pepe or this is from Spells of Genesis. And the Ninja Suit was said Saratobi Island. So he, he, the project was, and that's just, J Dog, who runs X Chain, just probably just did that right, you know. And it's just so it was actually on Saratobi, not Saratobi Island. No, Saratobi, yeah, no, it was all on. So, Saratobi, I basically the tokens first thing I did was to use the spells of Genesis card, it was Satoshi card, Saratobi card, CMP card, which is Koji's card, just because he's my friend. 
Right. And um, there was another one. I think I had. An, I think I had a few. I think I had an ETH, uh, Ethereum Night card, which one of the characters there. But there were a few. But I think I mixed it up a bit. But the first three were with with those three, and then I saw. Okay, this is cool. You know that um, people are you know using the spells of Genesis cards. Why don't I also just uh, issue my own game items and, and make them tokens? So the first thing I did was I issued the Saratobi token, which is not like, it's not like an NFT. It was actually a currency token. So it's like the game's currency. You know, like how Spells of Genesis, they have bit crystals. And the reason for doing this initially is on Counterparty, um, their decks, you would have to trade tokens against another token. So what people would do is they would issue their, their I guess their collectibles, their, let's say their cards, but they would also issue a base currency that that was traded against. So you would trade spells of Genesis on the decks for bit crystals, you know, so like a Satoshi card would be worth like a thousand bit crystals and rare Pepe had Pepe cash. So the Saratobi cards had the Saratobi coin and um, they're like 21, probably still are 21 million of those. And I also used to give them out and people could buy them. Like in, if, if you sent me five bucks on like a swap bot we had. Yeah. I, I would send you some and the users who, who held that token in the game would actually earn more Bitcoin. The game would give you like a 10% more Bitcoin from play to earn. So I issued that. And then I also issued, yeah, the ninja suit, which would basically give you access to uh, a ninja costume and would let the, the monkey like jump in the air, like right. double jump. And then there was Nimbus as well, which is like Saratobi Nimbus, which is a Nimbus one where he would basically like um, Nimbus Cloud, he would sit on the cloud and he could fly. I think that was another one I issued. Like we issued so many tokens back in the day. I don't remember. I've got like people were just like, "Hey, right, I've got an idea for a token. I'll just issue it." Right. So I've got like probably hundreds of tokens that I've issued. That I think I, I issued like I, I I remember I issued the tokens for famous whiskey distilleries. You know, like kind of like name squatting, right? You know. So I've got like a. Lagavulin token and stuff because <laughs> you know I thought if this takes off they'll want it kind of thing uh, but those are the ones I issued in Saratobi first yeah the so Nimbus. so Nimbus was an NFT as well though it was a actual like card I don't think I've uh, seen that one well yeah again initially it was a game item so if you had right. that token in your wallet and the wallet was linked to the game you would unlock the, that kind of character that, that right. power up yeah um but i guess originally i thought the meaning of nft meant there's only one of them right <laughs> but the, yeah well no that's now that's it, moved it, quite it, a bit yeah yeah the, the, so, there are there are what we call what i call nft maxis which are like no it's a one of one there's only one there's only sure, one it's yeah. only one right but i think that that general definition has been yeah uh, yeah for sure more globally accepted where no, it can mean Pepe's, right? There's 3,000 yeah. of this one Pepe card. It just means something card. that is... But we're calling yeah. them NFTs because they're unique kind of digital items and stuff like that. So yeah, I suppose for me, like the collectible kind of term sounds good for that because it's, yeah. you know, it's 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 rare. And it, it, it's, it's not meant to be unlimited. It's, what you're right. saying. it's, it's, it's exactly. meant to have a scarce yep. property to it. Yeah, so that was obviously when I, I issued them. Um, well, yes and no, because... I, I didn't issue, so what we did is we wouldn't issue too many of them. We'd issue a small amount, but we wouldn't necessarily lock it in case we wanted to issue more, you know? Right. So I think what, but I have, I think I have gone back and locked a lot of them now, 
and burnt them because obviously the things are taken off as collectibles. But initially, and Spells of Genesis is the same. You know, they didn't know like maybe their game would take off and you get like a you know a billion players, right? You don't want to limit it if that's the case. So they would kind of be left unlocked with the knowledge that you could lock it later if it seemed um, sensible to do so. Yep. Uh, but yeah, those two tokens were the I guess the original Saratobi tokens in Saratobi, not in Saratobi Island. Yep. That makes sense. <laughs> so like Ninja Suit, uh, and this came up because it's as you look at Ninja Suit on, um, you know, that people have wrapped an emblem vault and put them on, um, put them on OpenSea. Uh, it's basically an animated GIF. But I don't think when you first issued it, it wasn't a GIF, right? It was maybe just like a, 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 a standard yeah. image or, or how did that work? And can you tell me like how you stored the images back then? And if you've changed that now to where you, how you store the images, like, yeah, that yeah, work? yeah. I think I, I, I've seen a lot of confusion about this. Uh, I think a lot of the confusion came from uh, book of orbs, the orbs project. Um, and a lot of people have messaged me saying, Hey, this has a different image on X chain and different image on this one. Um, so the way that counterparty works is when you issue a token, uh, you you have a certain properties where you can issue it. Um, so and like the stuff is actually stored on the blockchain, right? So obviously the 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 issuance, the number of them is stored there, the name is stored there, and it also had a description. And but you don't have a lot of space in that description because um, the transaction sizes are limited to a certain number of bytes. So there's no way that you could store an image there. Uh, but like back in like the day, like, you know, 2000, well, 14, 15, when Counterparty was came out, um, you'd basically just store in that description, you would put like a link to an image. And th but that link would obviously not be the image itself. And obviously that link could end up being a dead link. So a lot of what the tokens did is they were issued with like a link to a JSON file. So JSON is just like, it would just uh, like a for a metadata so it would basically if you follow that link it could load a bunch of other data um but that th that could change so probably what had happened with ninja suit the original image it was issued with was not a gif it was an 8-bit kind of um 8-bit monkey in a ninja suit and what had happened later was the book of orbs which i I also actually was the programmer for. I was helping Everdreamsoft, so that was a joint venture venture between IndieSquare and Everdreamsoft, where we just wanted to make the IndieSquare wallet was not really fun. It wasn't. It was just like quite. It's a bit more corporate and financial. It was just like kind of clean UI. So we wanted to make Book of Orbs, which is more like it's like a book of orbs, like a it's like a collection book. You know, it'd be like. Right like a book so that's where, where the idea came from and orbs were the term they came up with like for your like collect like an orb it's like your gem i suppose and um and inside book of orbs you would have a uh, different collections that you could choose from so it could show your rare pepes it could show your spells of genesis and saratobi was there but i clicked on there and like the, you know at that time it started to be established that um so Sorry, to go back a bit, at the moment, kind of NFTs have taken off as like card, the, the card mentality has kind of taken off. But before people, like card hadn't really stuck. It was like 
Spells of Genesis did it, but you know, people weren't issuing tokens just to make them look like a card. People were trying other things, right? Uh, but by the time we came out of Book of Orbs, probably due to the success of Rare Pepe, it kind of became obvious that no, like cards are what people, it's kind of a good, it's a good look, you know, it feels like something you're collecting. So I basically uh, made the card style images and to make them look nice in the Book of Orbs, I thought oh, it'd be fun to make it a gift because that would look nicer. So that came right. later. Uh, but that wasn't the initial image uh, that it was issued with. But the initial image, like, there's no way to read. There's no like cryptographic blockchain way to know what the original image is. I know people nowadays use like the um, IPFS and put a hash, which is is probably yeah, the better way to do it. Back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But back then, maybe that was possible. But it was just like you know, yeah, we didn't see the need no, for I it. Mean, I, I had um, do it kind of thing. Yeah. I had the founder of a scribe on, which I'm sure you're familiar with a scribe and what they were doing with. Um, no, I'm not art. actually. Oh, you don't. Okay. So they were trying, they were basically making an easy interface for artists to put their art on the, on Bitcoin. And, um, but all the images and everything were stored in AWS, right? It was like, there was no way. You could yeah. Do but, anything, you know? Yeah. It's, it's just, well, I think originally, so people did store images on Bitcoin and it is possible. Um, what people were doing is obviously before you could embed a massive piece of data in a transaction, but the Bitcoin devs kind of stopped you doing that because obviously it would just make the blockchain unverifiable, become this massive, you know, it can't store terabytes of you know, what, even more than terabytes, right? Um, but what you, you can technically split an image up and put it across multiple transactions to do it that way. Um, so it's technically possible, but it's just like a nightmare and it would cost you fees. And at the time, again, nobody really thought the image was that important because people, the utility was still probably what th the thing that people were focusing on a lot of the time, right? You know, um, the whole collectible and rare and NFT kind of concept wasn't really too strong. It was more like, you know, what utility does this have? And especially in gaming, that's what I was focusing on more, right? You know, and that's why I think a lot of the people left counterparty to go over to ETH because they could have more utility in their tokens because you'd have an open smart contracting language. Yep. But I would say at the moment it seems like the the more bare bones simple collectible, like you know, this is just a collectible thing with an image is kind of you know what people get and the thing that's probably stuck around and it, it has kind of taken off more. Um, but yeah, uh, but long way to say that it was it was not the first gif in that aspect. And sure. pe people have messaged me now saying like, well, was the, the CMP card, was that the first animated one? Because the CMP card, the Spells of Genesis in the game, it, it, the, the, there was a sprite. So if you had the CMP card in the game, you would have a, an animated bird that would fly because the card is, is a bird. So that was animated. And people are saying, well, is that the first animated kind of NFT? Well, Yes, in the fact that if you had it, you would get access to an animated sprite. And the only way to get access to the animated sprite was to have that token. But that, you know, that was in the game. It wasn't like stored on the token in the blockchain itself. It's just that I made that link. So again, sure. it's open to interpretation. And I guess, you know, it's what the community sees as valid or not, right? I guess it's, you know, um, it's subjective somewhat. Sure. Yep. Yeah. Uh, um one of the guys asked about uh your feelings on you know working with is it shaban uh from ever evergreen sauce soft and if you believe that was kind of like the 
the the beginning works of the metaverse and stuff like that. I mean, I don't get that vibe, but you know, I guess a lot of people are trying to make these early connections. Um, I don't know uh, how you feel about that. No. Um, so when I first, so I was actually in Japan and Shaban was in Switzerland, but he came over now and then. We actually went and we 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 went and did T Tokyo Game Show together, uh, which was quite fun. So I I actually was I I was quite bullish that this is actually pretty cool and this is i probably wrote a blog at some time saying you know um i think i wrote a few blogs saying that um you know in any other like say that you play guitar you know if if you have a guitar in one band you you can use that same guitar in another band that's kind of goes without saying you know but in games you know game items are kind of locked in a game and you can't really take the value out of it so i was writing quite a lot that like this is actually look we can actually transfer in between games with a caveat obviously it's not the same item it's you know it would be reinterpreted differently it could be reinterpreted the same i suppose but it's you know it's not guaranteed to be the same but yeah i i was actually quite like I didn't know the term of the metaverse then because I think that came out of a book, didn't it? The Ready Player One book, perhaps, or mm. the. Um, but I, 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 I just saw a future where people would they wouldn't have their value stuck in one game; they could transfer it out via Bitcoin and or tokens. And at the time I went to in Japan, they had to like a history of gaming museum, and I remember going there, and it, it, it kind of started off with like the first. Atari or the first kind of basic Pong games and it would go through to how games evolved and right at the end you'd have like your PlayStation 4 or something and I remember thinking like oh they're gonna have to add an extra section here in a few years time and I hope that Sh Shaban will you know and you know we'd at least get an honorable mention right. on a plaque somewhere you know um yeah but so that was the visionary part of me I thought was pretty cool but I'm also a realist. I actually thought that would be cool, but we're a long way off from doing it just because the tech is so hard to get right. And we're in danger of it happening. It, it could happen in a completely centralized way. Like we've had cross game items already. Um, my wife was playing uh, uh, Final Fantasy and they did a collaboration with Capcom Monster Hunter and they actually let you share your game item. And this is like, nothing to do with blockchain you just basically right. the companies were linked the account sure i suppose what we want is like permissionless right right where i can you just know? grab it and make yeah it. which is what i felt i did with with um spells of genesis you know and spells of genesis could have turned around and, and sued me maybe but <laughs> i don't sure. you know I, I but i was i was conscious not to take any of their artwork so that was a reason why i reinterpreted it differently because right you, you know, showed thought, the card in the game or whatever right you showed it but you didn't, yeah. but it wasn't like then the image of something got put on the monkey or whatever. It was nothing like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Again, like, and I was making the point that you don't even have to show the image, you'll just show the name, right? You know, yeah. and, you know, so I, I, I remember I probably said on an interview once that, like, you know, there is an issue with copyright, but it should be okay because as long as you don't show the images, uh, then there's, there's no copyright you're stealing, right? And, right. but then I guess, would stealing the actual name of the token is that copyright but i suppose if you issue a token on a blockchain the whole point of a blockchain is you you know the ownership is by the person who holds it 
Yeah, I mean, I, th um, I think we're moving towards, I mean, I think current modern NFTs, at least the new projects and stuff are moving to this idea of like, no, you can use this anywhere, right? Um, where it's not like, it's not a, the old style is this kind of like copyright, this is mine, you need permission. And NFTs. The, new, the new Web3 is like, oh no, oh, okay, this, is, sure. this is like a permissionless thing. Like if you want to use this, use it. Because it grows the people who understand my project or see it in other means. And it all kind of has this like reverberating effect on what we've built. I don't know. That, that's the way I kind of view Web3. But I, I'd love your, if you see it differently. Yeah, yeah I think it's more about open protocols. Um, so the way I actually see, I think a lot of the blockchain stuff is actually it's centralizing in some respect because it has to to be to scale and not even necessarily to scale from a tra transaction point of view, but just from a user point of view, like, you know, you using the, the blockchain in a sovereign and decentralized way is very hard for non-techie people. So mm -hmm. the way that we bring on like, the rest of the world is unfortunately they have to do it through a centralized way where a service is basically holding your tokens for you and you know but i think that's the only way like the big players are going to touch it and originally that kind of i thought well this isn't great because obviously it's kind of it's antithetical to, to, to blockchain that if you know if you can't hold your own tokens or or your own bitcoin but now i see it a, a little bit more that that's okay as long as there is a way for people to hold the tokens if they want to. But I think what's more important for the growth is that these open protocols. And what I mean by that is it's probably, it's illustrated more with Bitcoin and Lightning Network, which is my day job at, at the moment. A lot of the Lightning wallets and Bitcoin are actually custodial. Um, so like the, the wallet is basically a bank. Um, but it's actually, it's it's not too bad. And the reason it's, it's not too bad is because, say, because it's an open protocol, all the wallets are interoperable and it grows the ecosystem. So an extra like custodial or centralized game or wallet to the project, it still kind of adds value to it. And I, I think that's probably what we're going to see in the, NFT space. There's going to be people who who want to hold like the NFTs in a sovereign way, and they can like run a Bitcoin node and run Counterparty, or they can run an Ethereum node and you know pay the on-chain fees. But there's going to be these other chains which are like centralized and you know or not really centralized, you know. Uh, but there's going to be these bridges between them where because there's like a somewhat standard or there's a standard of bridge that um, you'll be able to kind of still kind of have a token that might start off on a centralized chain and could find its way to a decentralized one and obviously it's going to be great it depends you know how centralized the chain is but i think that's generally where web3 is more promising i i don't see think it's going to take off in this everyone has their own key and everyone makes their own transactions on the chain because that's just not going to scale but it will mean that any company or anybody can make an app which is compatible with the, all the other apps. And some of those companies will be custodial and centralized and some will be more open, but maybe more difficult to use, but it all yep. interoperates. And that's kind of how I see it going. And um, yeah, I think I answered your question. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Really? Um, one other question that was that came up and, and I'm sorry I didn't touch on it when we were talking about the Saratobi uh, tokens. 
Um, and people are like, are you going to burn a lot of those? Because <laughs> yeah. they're wondering if from a collector's standpoint, you know, I don't know, you said they're what, like 25 million of them or 21 million of them, right? Um, so people I, are I, wondering. I yeah. did burn a few of them, but uh, I think they mean the Saratobi token. Yeah, the token. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I, I know you burnt uh, the 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 ninja suit. Yes. I, I think you burnt some of those, right? To, to separate those yeah. two. So the ninja suit... You yeah. might have started with a lot and then burned quite a bit of those, right? Um, yeah, yeah. The ninja suit. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm looking at as I speak on X Chain. Um, but yeah, so again, I think initially when we did this, we we actually intended them to be quite rare to some extent, but we didn't know. So just to be safe, we didn't lock them, right? And with the idea that we can always burn and lock it later, and um, now that I can clearly see that the market is going more to a collectible side rather than a utility side, it makes sense to burn them. And I actually think that, in my opinion, at the moment, NFTs at the moment only really make sense as collectibles, just given the tech that we have, because there's a lot of talk about people saying that we can have NFTs, it could be like a ticket or something, and maybe in the future, but I think it's... It just, you know, it's just, it's just, a, it's not going to work on a blockchain to have like a, a tickety thing as an NFT. Maybe that's like not an NFT. Maybe that's like an NFT on some sort of like very centralized, centralized federated side chain. Maybe that's what it's suited for. But well, I, I actually look, I do look at it like a ticket in that an access point. So for example, if, if, you know, 200 people in the world have the ninja suit NFT and yeah. that, you know, once a year you have a, um, uh, hang out online where they can come and ask you questions and hang out with you and talk with you like as an access point uh that that's like a really good use case yeah. for an willy wonka golden ticket i mentioned suit is the golden. i meant just they like get to a, hang out with you and the baby man <laughs> sure i just meant like as a ticket like you know somebody makes like an event and you know they just sure. You know, it's just it's it, it's not meant to be rare. More as a utility thing. At the time, we thought yeah. again. I mentioned my friend Koji. He would basically have a, a, a token for his blog that you could buy, and you know, it would unlock stuff. And yeah, I think maybe in the future, but at the moment, it doesn't seem to be that's where we're at. But the, at the moment, the the tech is good for collectibles, mm -hmm. and the on-chain fees don't matter for collectibles because collectibles are like expensive. Right. So right. I think that's probably why I'm inclined to burn them. Um, yeah. Um, so you, haven't, you haven't figured it out yet though, but you're, you're inclined I, I, and will possibly lean that way. Again, this whole stuff kind of took off at a bad time in my life where I had a baby. Right. So it's like, I get these messages, people, Hey, what are you going to do with this? I'm like, I'm not I sure. No how time to even think about, think about, about this stuff. <laughs> I always say with, I need to think about it carefully because I don't want to make the wrong decision. Sure. And accidentally burn it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, well, I'm just looking at my list. There's so many, so many projects as well. The force of will is interesting, which I'm surprised that the archaeologists haven't talked about. <clears throat> Tell me about it. Force of will. Have you not heard of that? It was a. No, I've heard of it, but but okay, tell, yeah. give me more. Give me the your your perspective on it. Um, well, and... I, I, again, there's a lot of like a lot of people like to say like the first NFT to X, right? So right. people are trying to find these stories. Uh, so I often see that Spells of Genesis was maybe like the first game to use an NFT as as a game item, which I thought was pretty in, in, insightful for Shaban. Maybe. My game was the first game to do interoperability to steal a token from somebody else's. 
Uh, but Force of Will, I thought, is actually the first original physical card game to also issue their cards on NFT. So they're actually, they were actually, um, uh, so the story behind that is there was a guy called AG, who was, uh, he, he was the CEO of Force of Will. I think he's moved on now, but it was like a popular card game that kind of never became super popular, but it kind of had an indie following. And a lot of companies that are somewhere in the middle and want to find a kind of edge, they get quite interested in new tech, right? Because like, how can we break out? So um, he met up with us in, in Japan and said, okay, yeah, we, we told them about this token thing. So they tokenized a bunch of their cards on Counterparty and they were actually, they were building a game where you could use the, the, the tokens in the game. And um, they also had uh, on the Book of Orbs, they actually had a, a gacha. Have you heard the, the gacha machines? That's a Japanese word. I'm not sure if it translates mm -hmm. to English. So you would basically send, I think you actually send a force of will coin. You have to buy that with Bitcoin, send some force of will coin, and it would give you like a card pack. And some of them would have a rare or non-rare card in, in them. And uh, yeah, and it was really cool, but I, I, I feel sorry because it kind of like, it fizzled, it was the timing was so wrong. I kind of felt yeah. if they did that just a few years, Later, it would be like it would have really taken off, but the money dried up and they didn't pay the devs to finish the game and the game was <laughs> good, but it didn't work. And then you moved on to different things. And then, yeah. Um, but I kind of see that as I would have thought that would have been more appealing to collectors because it was maybe like the first actual physical card game that was a real card game to do it, you know? Right. And and, and the cards look really nice as well. They're actually like proper cards, not like just like, you know, well, Red Pepe has its charm, but it's not. Necessarily <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah. I, I, I actually tried to get hold of the AG because I don't think he knows that NFTs are taking off again. <laughs> so, yeah, but, but he's he's disappeared from Twitter. It seems as many early people did. Sure, yeah. that's uh, it's interesting, and we'll probably um, you probably just sent us down a new rabbit hole. I mean, of course I've heard of it, but you know, have there, there's so many, right. But, um, and I think you're getting towards the end though. I remember listening to your no, we're, we're podcast in, we're, where you said like, Oh, I think I've, I'm, I'm going to give up and like, not give up. I'm going to stop now. I've been working 200 hours. So I'm just going to stop. And then obviously you've still been finding things. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, it's getting to the last ones, right? I think we're in the, we're in the end stages of finding, um, these projects, yeah. uh, certainly on Bitcoin, I think we've, you know, basically there weren't that many, right? So it's not like, and there was pretty master coin and counterparty with a, but uh, colored coins as well. Uh, yeah. uh, but yeah, colored coins, I think was probably the, yeah, colored coin, master coin and counterparty, but counterparty again, was not meant to do these things. Counterparty was meant to be a, a financial thing. They, the developers made it because they wanted to kind of have companies issue their shares and do complex DeFi on it. But yep. people said, no, we're going to trade green frogs on it. <laughs> it's kind of funny, right? you know? Um, it's, uh, it's amazing and awesome. And, uh, and very, very, this, this has been one of the more, uh, amazing conversations for me because typically when I talk to somebody who built something early, they did like one thing, right? Or they were involved in one very specific project that I find interesting. This is like, you were involved in like everything. Like you were right there. 
at the kind of epicenter of all these different things taking place, um, which is still, I'm still very confused because there's so much to get into here. And we've touched on a whole lot of things um, that people I'm working with are going to dive into more. I'll try. Yeah, I, I keep remembering I, stuff as well. Like, oh yeah, we did that. Like, like I um, mean, it's like Bitgirls so project much... was interesting. And then we had, <laughs> it's it's really it's amazing and i mean i'm going to try to wrap my head fully around it and try to write uh an article on medium or something like this that'll kind of capture this history uh i'm sure it'll be wrong so i'd love to be able to send you a, a version of it and you can have be you like, read no, the article by koji higashi he wrote a history of um yeah yeah in japan that that probably should be a, cover a lot of it uh yeah, because I actually saw that one history of um, yeah uh, NFTs in Japan and stuff like that. But it's compl it's complex. But you were right there at the beginning of so much of it, and and I think that's really really cool. Um, Nobody so listened to us. I'm back scrolling. Then. We're trying to I'm, tell. I'm scrolling people. through that article, and it's like the Bit Girl ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was kind of. It was surreal in, in a way, and. Uh, yeah, I think in Japan it really did start to take off, but then again, it was just it was it was it was going ahead of the technology at the time. Yep. So it really took off, and there were actually famous bloggers, and it was appearing on Japanese TV. And we actually did we I remember my Takara geocaching game, so that had Bitcoin, but I added it so people could drop tokens as well, so people would like drop tokens around everywhere. Right. And Shaban he famously stole a rare Pepe from me. Somebody had dropped a rare. Pepe in the middle of Shibuya and I was meant to go and grab it but Shaban was also in Shibuya so he grabbed it before I did shut up <laughs> yeah yeah so at the time it was worth nothing so you know yeah uh wow that's so, awesome that yeah is... yeah and yeah we, we had a lot of, so again there was like um are you familiar with the company Zyfe no so they were a Japanese exchange and what people don't know is that um Japan is famous because it, it it was one of the countries to actually have regulation, which, which can also mean acknowledgement of, of crypto quite early on. And they actually came out with a list of like approved crypto currencies that the Japanese FC something, whatever, approved. And it was like Bitcoin, Ethereum, I think Ripple was there, and Pepe Cash was there. <laughs> Exactly, you can look it up in, in Japanese law, and the reason was that, like, obviously, the, the probably the Japanese lawyers didn't like Pepe Cash, it doesn't you know, ripple, they're both silly words, right? But I didn't know what it was, but that was because Zyfe, which is a Japanese exchange, was one of the probably the first exchanges, like a, a legit exchange, you know, not right. like the dodgy one, to was actually experimenting with um, tokens. So they had like a token platform, and you could uh, trade Pepe Cash on a legit Japanese exchange. And we did a, a fun, um, treasure hunt with them where we actually um we would drop tokens at all the famous temples around japan and people would actually have to like rat race go and find them you know um so we basically i think uh, one couple actually got married from doing that they they people would team up and say i'll go to the north of japan and collect these tokens and you go to the south and get them and we'll kind of team up and split the reward you know uh so that was wow. like what well, way back in like 2000 i want to say 16 you know um yeah that was fun uh and what what's your <clears throat> any plans i mean i know you you've obviously kicked it around but how how much 
any plans i guess to spin these things any of these games or anything back up I yeah mean, just like the tech is so far away that no or what's your feelings on that so yeah i've always said that like so i, I again i i i started to bring saratobi back with um with bitcoin over the lightning network so the tipping can work again because i don't have to pay on chain fees and it works over the lightning network and i'm also bringing Ta takara back with bitcoin over the lightning network and um what i what i plan to do is re-add the tokens back into the game because the tokens don't require on-chain transactions if you just link the wallet for saratobi so you know somebody could just have it on their free wallet which is kind of the counterparty wallet of choice now so i'll, I'll, I'll probably be adding that back uh, but at the moment i'm actually focusing on developing takara and um the problem is like sending tokens on chain is is still you know you can't really send it in an off-chain way uh, but what i might do is um let people drop private keys so maybe they could put a token on a private key and drop that and then the user gets a private key you know if the person who dropped the token um just to explain how how the game works people would download the app and then they would basically send uh, a counterparty token to an address and then drop that on the street like at a place mm -hmm. in the world so what the user could do is they could perhaps send the token to that address and maybe send some bitcoin drop it then if somebody picked it up they could like get that private key and import it into a wallet so that's kind of an easy thing that i can do i'm hesitant to go and build the whole thing for sending the tokens on chain because i want to wait for some solutions that are coming i can't say too much because of ndas and all this but in the, in the next year or two there are certain solutions that are coming where we'll be able to kind of you know send these tokens in a way that an average gamer could enjoy but right. also a way that a pro power user who doesn't mind getting their hands dirt dirty could also bridge to like the, a public chain right so yeah long story is definitely it's in the works same for saratobi island uh it's just time you know basically like i've i've I'm busy with my startup at the moment, Zebedee, which is a lightning network company, but we are obviously researching and looking at uh, tokens as well and NFTs because like everybody's demanding it. So it's just sure. about taking the time and getting it and doing it right. Um, because I don't want to make it and then have to take it down again. Once like we get like massive traffic and fee spikes and then people email me, I sent it, but I didn't have enough gas and uh, you know, you know what I mean? And then, yeah. Um, so yes, uh, but I can't give any exact dates. Um, gotcha. Gotcha. It's, um, it's cool, man. And this is, um, timing is really obviously, you know, in business and life timing is important. Right. Um, but I think part of what I do is acknowledge, um, people who were kind of along the history to the modern NFT. Uh, I think it's important to acknowledge people who were important along that chain and you without question uh were important along that chain and so uh christian i just want to thank you so much for joining me today man do you mind if i ask you a question sorry go for it is that right this yeah i was quite because i had kind of been out of the nft space and i started to see on twitter um people kind of i would start to get 
followed by a lot of people like with .eth after the kind of title, right? Yeah. And can you talk about like how this whole NFT archaeology, how, how it took off? Like when did that start? Because before like sure. all the tokens moved to ETH and then people tried on EOS, but maybe it didn't really work. And then it was just ETH. But now it seems to be that people are kind of going back and doing like, you know, archaeology and history. Like when did that start and how did that start? <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of out of the loop. Basically for me, it started in March of this year. So okay. in March of this year, basically several old uh, Ethereum-based uh, projects were rediscovered. The first big one was Mooncats. So Mooncats was like a 2017 project um, where you could basically search the moon for a cat. Um, and it had like a mining feature. You basically used your computer's um, computing power to basically solve a very simple like equation. And by doing that, uh, you would be given a cat like an, a, an, a unique number that you could then purchase the cat. So this was rediscovered on like March 12th of this year. Um, the very next day was like curio cards were rediscovered, right? So it was like these but projects were- Why built. did people rediscover them? Were they just scouring Reddit or something? Or was it- they were Yeah, basically those ones, exactly. Those ones, uh, curio especially was basically found in like a Reddit post or a blog post. Um, Basically, people saw the rising prices of NFTs at that time and an were incentive. like, wait, what's going on here? I mean, obviously what we saw, the main one was punks, right? Crypto punks yeah. had gone from literally a few hundred dollars. You could get a punk in, you know, October, November to the, they were rapidly rising in price. And people started saying to themselves, wait, wait a minute. There were other, there were other projects being built at that time. Why is punks the only one that's rising in prices? Sure. Right. And so it, it was this kind of mix of, hey, punks are rising in prices. These ones are often at the time, those ones were free or very near free to mint. Like the Mooncats were free to mint. You just had to pay the gas. Right. Curio cards were like five bucks a card or something like that. And you can remember them. World Crypto want. Network. I remember them. So yeah. Thomas. Hunt so, so these were basically people saying, look, they're just sitting there. All you got to do is just go back. You can literally go back in time and grab these projects that failed in 2017. And so that kind of really started it, uh, was, was that in, mid, in the middle of March? It kind of reminds me a bit, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I say it kind of reminds me a bit, you, you know, you have like the, obviously artist work is more famous once they're dead, you know, it's a little yeah, bit like right. that, right? People recognize <laughs> the significance. And what I also like about a lot of the earlier projects is, this, they feel a little bit less dirty. So now oh, yeah. if people it, issue NFTs, it's obviously there's like a, it's skewed by certain financial incentives. A people want to jump on the bandwagon. The early ones, it's like we were just making it because we thought it was fun. And like, you know, I remember like, you know, Thomas, I think Curo Cars, they famously didn't make anything, but it was fun, right? And the Red right. Pepe, like that took off quite a little bit and, and people did make some, but initially people were just like, yeah, this is fun, let's do it. And then... It, it's kind of innocent and pure and it's nice to there's see. definitely that i mean definitely as you got into 2018 people were trying to take advantage of they were trying to emulate what what um crypto kitties did in late 2017 yeah. right they saw that there was a, a money opportunity and so that's why you got this huge boom in projects in 2018 um but even in 2018 there were there were projects that did things which were um interesting and unique and so i, I sure, try to yeah. So no, yeah, what I, sure. I guess it, it's harder to maybe sort out like, you know, the 
Because the so much, yeah, yeah. yeah what, so, what, who so was doing something right? interesting and who was just money grabbing? I remember I was at a meetup and this guy came out and he was saying, "We are issuing NFTs for the first wine to have an NFT." And this and someone in the audience said, "No, this other project issued NFT wine." And he, and he said, "No, uh, it's the first Austrian NFT wine." <laughs> <laughs> And it's, yeah, you have to question the, you know, yeah, to, I'm, it, it, I'm, I'm not trying to judge people, but I guess it's like, it's, yeah, I guess it's the older stuff. You can kind of say like, well, it's, you know, it's, it's a bit more in hindsight, right? Everything's clear in hindsight, I would say. It, you know, it's definitely it clearer in hindsight, right? I'm sure when these projects and what you were building back then kind of didn't work or failed and you moved on from them, you know, it was disappointing and painful, um, like everything, right? But what, what it's actually moved from now, originally when, when I first started in March and April, it was really about like, oh, let's find something that'll, you know, that I can relaunch like people relaunched Mooncats, right? This kind of aping experience where you can go back in time, grab something for at or near free and have something of value. That was kind of the, the, what it was back then. It's moved for me now from that to now it's about Oh, this is a this is a, a long story. This is a story or a history or a timeline of people building um, to get to our modern NFT. And my my the reason I'm, I think it's important isn't because our modern NFT. It's not because I think um, board apes are super important. I think they're interesting and I think they have a place in history. But I'm far more interested in what what the world is going to look at in 20 years and look back on this time and say, oh, that was, well, what they were doing in 2021 was crazy and weird, but what they were doing in 2016 and 2015 and 20, that was like, those were the foundational like building blocks of what today is our modern web three technology and infrastructure. And these are the interesting projects from back then, which laid the foundation. And so that's why talking to you is very interesting to me because I mean, you got, you were just taking stabs at stuff and now it's cool from this modern perspective um, and where it's going to go in the future. I'm looking at what you did in, you know, back then. And I'm like, wow, that was, you were super innovative. Like you were trying stuff um, that didn't really work back then because the tech wasn't right. So much of it wasn't right. The market wasn't right for it but it has this like historical significance on this chain of where we're going and where we're going to a web three world with NFTs, whatever they are in the future, they're not going to be like what we think about them. Now it's going to be something else completely different. I'm sure. But the history of it is interesting and yeah, just people like my... you, you might not like hearing it, but the innovators like you who were doing something so early that 99.99999% of the world is like, this is stupid. Uh, now we see is somewhat genius and someone someone's got to go and make all the mistakes first so people can you learn from make it. The <laughs> you do yeah. that's the way i mean that's the way humans build yeah you kind of find out what right? does and doesn't work you know and uh yeah it, it it's, it's just interesting for me to see as well like how because again i i kind of feel a bit like old i suppose like when i speak to like young nft people like you know like like, like the terminology has changed so i, I have i've had to learn because i keep saying well we issue tokens but now it's like no you mint nfts and that's right you know, it's <laughs> like after you know and uh yeah it's, it feels a bit strange but it's not that it's like what 10 years it's not that long right but it's just crazy how you know 
10 years ago feels almost like you know we're looking back into antiquity if it was some any other kind of you know artifact it was like you know pianos or something right you know I mean, well, that's right. people like it's it's archaeology, but it's four years old. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. I mean, yeah. this is uh, that Nate that that archaeologist thing just kind of stuck when somebody mentioned, "Hey, man, you're an archaeologist," and that just kind yeah. of stuck. I mean, I, what it is is just it's it's a historian, really. I mean, it's really looking at these early projects and recognizing what they were. Well, yeah. it could be quite interesting. Again, I guess. A lot of you have two types of evidence, right? You have like the evidence on the internet, and then you also have evidence in the blockchains, right? And I, me I remember that ETH famously has a, a probably a, a portion of its early blockchain is kind of missing uh, because people just didn't, you know, uh, there weren't enough full nodes that stored it. So people kind of just like skip that bit and start from a hash. So it'd be interesting if there's anything hiding it. it, it like, um, I, I remember that it was, um, uh, I can't remember the company, but they tried to resync their ETH node from scratch and they couldn't. And then they spoke to Vitalik said, oh yeah, like nobody's because that part's lost, but maybe somebody has it somewhere. Oh, so shit. maybe there's like a holy grail there of like when ETH was done. That like, I haven't heard. Story. That's interesting. I have I did not know that. I've, I haven't heard that. I mean, yeah, we yeah. have had, um, for example, one of the ones, and Lord knows if this will ever be worth anything. Probably not. But um, because of the Dow fork, um, people went back, and myself included, and we actually um, got the first, got the Ethereum NFTs that were on um, the, you know, forked blockchain, and you Ethereum know, Classic, Ethereum Classic, and so yeah. there are NFTs. There are only a handful of NFTs on Ethereum Classic. Uh, but monkeys like me went over and like grabbed them all right it's because from his you know it's just it we're at this kind of strange point in time where there are a whole bunch of people like me who who do believe that because of the the world changing technology that blockchain is we believe collectors will look back on these things as historically interesting and want to collect them in the future it's basically all it's about and so what I've tried to do is, is basically take those interesting points and, and tell stories around them. And so that's what I'm trying to do with what you did, um, which is complex because you were just involved in a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, super interesting, dude. Yeah, I was just lucky to be in the right place at the right time. And No, you know, dude, that's never the way it works, through. man. <laughs> That combined with skill, effort, drive, and all the rest of it. Yeah, I guess we were all lucky. <laughs> but Christian, man, thanks so much for joining me, brother. No, it's been, I haven't spoken about this for ages, actually, to be honest. But uh, yeah, it's nice to, to talk about it.